Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of One More Question. This was recorded in 2016 when we had the idea of launching this podcast, but didn't actually get around to doing it. So this podcast is not only an ode to the fact that you can do anything if you just stick to it, but it is also an interesting conversation between Ben, Mike and I, where we chat about branding. I promised Mike that I would release this if he came back and did another episode. If you haven't listened to that one, go and do it because it's probably better and more relevant than this one. But please enjoy. Hello and welcome to this um, episode of the the Nice Cast, which is a series of shows we're running for our tenth anniversary of Nice Work um, as part of the Nice Magazine. If we weren't marred by many a technical failure, i.e., I cocked it up. Um, this would be our third interview, but um, we're going to pretend like it's our first one ever. Um, and we're sitting here with Mike Stopworth, who's the CEO of Cerebra. Welcome, Mike. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. It's like the first time every time. <laughs> um, so I suppose oh, just... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Ben's, Ben's here. Oh, I'm Ben's ben, also I'm here. Partner. Hey, ben. You know, I'm a bag of chocolate. Uh, yeah. Nice partner, nice magazine, nice cast. Nice one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think just to give people some context, will you give us your um, brilliant 30-second business pitch? Sure. Um, I have to remember the brilliant one. <laughs> I had the shitty one lined up. So um, so I've started and run a business called Cerebra. Cerebra um, helps big companies uh, to not in embarrass themselves in social media basically that's the innovator pitch but we yeah we do uh, consulting and reporting and education and uh, content creation and community management for big corporate brands in facebook and twitter and other social platforms now do you find a lot of your big corporates try and embarrass themselves on social media i don't think anybody tries but i think um they're inherently really good at uh, i think they try really hard but it is a complex space and and Corporates are difficult to wrangle, and social media is very fickle and unforgiving of that complexity. So, yeah, it's a tough space, I think, for clients in general, which is good for us because yes. that's why we have a job. Yeah. Um, what's the best kind of uh, corporate embarrassment online that you've seen in the last while? So you can the names, all of your clients. <laughs> <laughs> the names and places have been changed to protect the people involved. No, look, I think I think the nature of the space is that almost on a weekly basis, some, some brand is, is uh, navigating a, a challenge around uh, an employee tweaked or a, a, a brand mistake. I mean, um, Bic had a, had a faux pas. I mean, we've just passed uh, Women's Day. Women's Day was yesterday and last year, Women's Day, or not even been the year before last, uh, things move fast in this world. They tweeted something particularly insensitive and, and poorly thought out and it, it went so rapidly viral that it landed up on the Ellen show, which is uh, quite a big deal. It's superb coverage. <laughs> the pinnacle of your uh, stuff yeah, up on social media is um, the Ellen show. <laughs> yeah, but but I think yeah, I think it, it is a it is a space where uh, certainly from a from a societal perspective, it's evolving uh, pretty rapidly. And it's difficult sometimes, I think, for organizations, even organizations that are small, like Cerebro or Nicework to catch up. Uh, and to deal with some of that, so yeah, we 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 hope that we've we figured some of it out, and and fortunately, our clients seem to be avoiding those um, those mistakes, and and yeah, long may it last. Touch touch the wood that the recording thing is on. Yeah. Yes, sometimes it's actually broader than than saying something 
inappropriate on social media. It's more around what actually happens in the real world and how that is managed on social media. I'm thinking of United Airlines most recently. Yes, um, yes, yeah, that was a yeah, and and I and I guess understanding that context and and one of the analogies we use with our clients is that. Um, if if social media is a is a dinner party, remember that you were invited. You're not the host. You you are a guest. And uh, understanding the context of the room you're in and the people that are at the table and the conversation that's happening is critically important to being relevant at any any social event. And this is not uh, not all that different, but it is it is sometimes difficult uh, to understand because I think as marketers and certainly the marketers that we work with in in corporate clients we become very used to being able to broadcast at people and at, at customer audiences. This is a, a very different kind of engagement. And I think that's what makes it inherently quite tough to navigate. Cool. Anyways, that was not the 30 second pitch. That was the <laughs> 30 minute pitch. One yes. minute and 27 seconds. Are you recording this was? I am, yes. Okay. Did I only make mistakes two or three times and then I learned? Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So, so you obviously work with a lot of creativity in your business. Like, how do you use creativity in your business? And, and I suppose, how do you use creativity for your clients and I suppose also for yourself in your, in your company? Sure. It's a great, great question. I, so I think it's important. Maybe this is a disclaimer. Don't consider myself really, really creative at all. So um, the notion of creativity and the role that it plays in my business, often I feel quite unqualified to comment on because don't feel like I'm a very creative human being. Um, Cerebra's always been an, uh, an odd business to categorize because we, a lot of the work that we do doesn't seem to fit squarely into the traditional um, definition of what agencies do. Uh, a lot of the work that we do falls outside of the realm of traditional uh, creative campaigns, as an example. We'll provide a service um, that sometimes resembles what a contact center would do for a client, or sometimes we'll provide a service that resembles what a consultancy would do for a client. And sometimes uh, we'll provide a service that resembles what a business school would do for a client. So we're a bit of a hodgepodge from that perspective. The part of the organization that relies heavily on creative input and creative thinking is the content creation element of what we do, uh, in which case I've often outsourced that to people far, far better qualified uh, than me uh, to provide that service. Um, so I guess guess the comment around what role does creativity play in your business is that I don't really, I'm not going to contradict everything I've said before, I don't really see creativity as a department um, or even necessarily a job description um, in the same way that I think as much as we have people who do strategy, thinking strategically is a prerequisite for any a smart or relatively smart person uh, these days. So so I think, I think creativity is something that I hope we uh, incorporate and implement in all of our thinking and, and similarly um, strategy uh, must be the same but but I, I wrestle personally with creativity in a big way I feel like I get very quickly stuck in established ruts or ways of doing things I, I feel like I get um, I rely heavily on on process and system as a way of approaching problems rather than maybe a, an out-of-box approach or, or a, a new way of, of, of addressing that issue. So creativity is something that I kind of wrestle with uh, on a personal level. And I get quite 
envious of people that I perceive to be really creative because I'm like, why can I not see the world that way? Why can I not think that way? Um, but I guess that's that's uh, that's part of the course, right? I guess we can't all be Rosses or Bens. Some of us have to be Mikes, unfortunately. <laughs> Don't worry, I have our T-shirt. I'm a Mike. Rosses or Ross? Neither of us are Rosses. Well, welcome to the Mikes. There. Yeah, Bens and Mikes. Yeah. Uh, now I have our T-shirt design. Stuff. We can make Mikes and Mikes and Rosses, and and people can come and pick which T-shirt they like. Because clearly there are only two categories. So yeah. no, the mark of a Mike is to have fancy socks. Yes, and both of us are wearing we, fancy socks for those of us. This is our attempt at being creative: 100%. is to wear a sock that doesn't look like the rest of our yeah, clothes. So Ben's socks have um, what are those? Um, watermelons, watermelons and grapefruits and pineapple and, pineapple oh. and a kiwi and kiwi and Mike dots. Those are dots. Those, those are dots. dots. We're trying to provide you guys with what a visual yours, reference. This is. I'm wearing stripy orange socks that okay. have my name embroidered on them. Yeah, Ross, Ross is partially Mike. <laughs> Again, Ross, Ross. shooting the lights out. <laughs> well, I think that was actually a marketing campaign from Old Mutual, so I'm not sure if it's... But I, uh, I, I want to <laughs> no, throw the question back at you quickly because it's something we've never really discussed out of this context and it would be interesting to hear your perspective because you're a business that purports to be incredibly creative. That is your... That is your I guess, laser-like focus. It is your unique selling proposition. So do you guys wrestle with creativity in your personal capacity or does it just come very naturally to you? And I guess what are we talking about when you talk about creativity? Uh, you know, I'm interested. Yes, I mean, that's the double-sided question. Like, first part is what is creativity? <laughs> um, I suppose creativity for me is, I think, kind of problem-solving. So it's looking at a set of data or a, a problem or a, a challenge or, or something and kind of cutting it from a slightly different angle to what other people are and and creating something that's slightly different. I suppose that's more creativity in a business context. I think art is just people kind of, they have something inside them and they express it. Um, so is it art with a commercial benefit? It's called art labor. Art labor. Art labor, yes. I think it's interesting. I mean, for us, it's the creativity is the enabler, but there's the thinking, you know, the, the the problem still needs to be solved. Like it doesn't really help to just apply a layer of pretty on top of something that's not really doing anything. So I think it's for us what really, when creativity really matters is when you are able to come into to a client's company and you have this amazing kind of vantage because you you you're not invested in the solution, the, you know, the, the kind of all the things they've been developing, be them a heavy engineer or a, a an online kind of web firm or whatever, they've, they've built all this technology, they're kind of like knee deep in it, we get to step in to their world, observe it for a brief amount of time, and, and kind of then apply our, our, you know, like our understanding yeah. to it. And if we can explain it to ourselves, and if we can understand it for ourselves, then it's very easy for other people to understand it because we don't have the same level of, of detail that our clients do. And yes. then we kind yes. of apply the prettiness to it to kind of bring that all to life with, with color and font and design and photos and whatever. So objectivity is important, right? Like, and, and I guess perspective. Well, I think for me, it's, it's that there's businesses done between people. Whenever agencies like ours are brought on, it's not because of our artistic promise. Just brilliant, boundless. It's because it's because we have we have creativity and we're able to help communicate for people that retain us. 
And I think that's kind of for me where it is. There's, there's a problem. Somebody has is either not understanding something or or not able to wade their way through what it means to communicate something or has some kind of problem that, that can't be solved with brute force or counting. Um, and they need a way to kind of lubricate the conversation. And for me, a lot of what we do does that. So so I think I think to Ross's point, we spend a lot of time trying to kind of understand and problem solve. And if there is a potential role for design there, sometimes it isn't. Well, I think a lot of the time we think visually or I think visually and the team thinks visually. So the way we would, you know, if you get an accountant to solve a problem, they're probably going to do it with a spreadsheet, you know, like they're going to unpack the mathematics behind it and kind of make sense of it that way. Whereas we come at it from a kind of visual perspective or a, a messaging perspective. So we try and turn that thing into a visual, um, which is often why, you know, where people come unstuck because they know they, they have the information, you know, we, we don't even purport to be the clever ones. They are the, the ones who've solved this, you know, like they've built something amazing or designed a solution for a client. And we just come in and kind of make it visually understandable for, for people. So, so my wife and I are going through the um, very uh, difficult uh, traumatic process of, mo- of moving again, moving house. Um, and we were talking about, I feel like a, a deep sense of anxiety when, when um, presented with like an, a blank slate and being asked to create something on a blank slate, right? So, so if you give me an open room and go decorate this room, I find it very, very difficult to do. And the number of variables and options in the equation give me like the only, the only meaningful word is anxiety. I get really anxious about it, right? But if you give me a room that's already furnished and you go optimize this for use or make it look better or make it look nice or uh, create space to do that there or whatever it might be, that I find incredibly easy to do. Like it's easy for me to work with an existing medium or to streamline it or whatever. Is, is that the difference between creativity and uh, like, but they're both a design I think it in is a sense. creativity. Yeah. But I guess, I guess I've always believed that it's more about making something from nothing, right? Or, or it's more the blanks. That's where my uh, definition is always um, set. That might be wrong. And that might be then one of the reasons why I don't classify myself as particularly creative. Um, but it's an, interesting, it's an interesting discussion around, because then if you ask me if creativity plays a role in what I do, then every single day, it's a big part of that problem solving, optimizing, Efficiency, efficiency, yeah. I think I think that's that's a that's an important point is that to go from zero, to go from nothing, to go from the void, to something, even that something is not exquisite, is a tough thing to do. Mm. And if I think about our process, and I watch you and Lauren, uh, the other creative director at Nice Work, you go from nothing, then something appears, and that thing mutates and it grows and it develops and it's challenged and deleted and refreshed and reworked and argued over and i think once you've got something to your point Mike, if you've got something you're able to move it around i can see good creative from a mile away and i can i can say this is not good because of this this is good because of that and that's because i've just been here in biosmosis and having run the business for so long we know creative but to originate it out of the ether is beyond me yeah. I think one of the other things we struggle with is that we we obviously want to encourage creative thinking and creative product in, in our 
and our uh, business, but we are subject to a number of norms that don't always lend themselves towards the most creative outputs, right? So one of the things is office hours, as an example, or, <laughs> or geography, so right? Like, that your staff should work harder to be more creative. I am, yes, definitely. In, Optimize in, yeah. them. Please be as creative as humanly possible in the hours that I prescribe you, <laughs> as opposed to, no, it's, a, it's a reality of the way the business will traditionally is structured, but that sometimes is at loggerheads with the product we want to create, right? And, and, and so one of the beautiful things about creative production or the, the or content production more specifically and the creative role in that is that it is based on output. So you can be a little bit more uh, liberal with the construct that you create for people to work within. But that's quite a tough thing I found. I'm interested whether or not that is reflected with you guys. So is is you're, you're a far or, or have a far higher requirement in terms of creative production on, on the people in your business. Um, do you find some of the traditional business constructs very limiting? And how do you guys combat that? How do you, how do you create space for more creativity uh, outside of the realm of those traditional business norms? That's yours, Ross. That's sure. I, I think it's an interesting take because, as you know, I've now been doing this for probably fifteen or sixteen years now. And in the beginning, I used to believe that you needed kind of like unboundless freedom in order to create. Yes. But I think in the kind of the business context we live in, often constraints is what where interesting creativity comes Happens. up with. Yeah. So if you say to someone, you have to make me the best thing that you can in four hours, it's a very different question to like, cool, just make me the best thing you yes. can, which could and you be- you have a, an open brief. Yeah, yeah, and it could be six months worth of work and they come back, but that four hours, you know, what you can create in four hours becomes a very interesting because that's when you're kind of matching the commercials with the the kind of creativity and I, you know we find even with the team when they get given a bit of structure or a bit of and it doesn't mean this is how this is what you need to create it's like you have this much time or we need to say this message like so you have to this is the one thing we have to say and we can say it however we want and put whatever color or picture or metaphor on top of it as long as the end result is you get that out i think that's how we kind of structure the creativity so you kind of almost leave you, you set a play field like a field of play with with rules be it time be it f like the copy you have to work with or the size of the the thing or the the production budget or whatever and that's those are your constraints and then within that you can almost do whatever the hell you want and i think that's that interests me more and more. You were saying like the most outrageous creative. I don't believe that the most outrageous creative is the right solution for every problem. Sure. Yeah. So I think if you have an insurance company coming to you, coming back to them with like rainbow gradients and unicorns in bestiality gear is probably not exactly the right solution. Although if you were to measure it from career, you guys are both pulling a face now. What? <laughs> I was okay uh, with rainbow gradients and, then, and the other things um, happened. But I think it's, you know, so there's that interesting thing of matching the right creative solution to the, the client or to the brief or to the, the thing. If you want absolutely no no constraint then your only real option is to go become an artist because then there is no one you know you're not fulfilling anyone else's needs in in the end of the day our our job is to 
solve the problem that our clients come to us for. And if you don't do that, then you're not actually completing your job, even if it's very creative. It's really interesting because that kind of gets back to the original question about what create what role does creativity play in my business or in my, that's maybe it. Maybe the highest form of creativity in our business specifically is knowing what the right solution for the job is. You know, like it's knowing how to match the effort to the expectation. Yes. Right? Uh, yeah, because that's where it goes wrong, right? When the effort outweighs the expectation or the expectation outweighs the effort, when you get those things wrong, when those are not aligned, that's when you have an unhappy client or unhappy people. Yes. Um, maybe that's where the art is. The art is in knowing what's good enough as opposed to chasing perfection or the converse evil, which is you know, kind of just under-delivering all of the time. Yeah, um, delivering what you know the client will accept. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, we, I mean so the rule of, of work expanding to full the time holds in, in all of our lives, right? this time the work will expand if there's a, a constraint and i said constraint not restraint ross um <laughs> if there's a constraint you produce the work in the time yeah. but if you've ever been involved in a creative pitch you know that that's possible right what, what, what you'll produce in the constraints around a creative pitch yeah. is astonishing 100%. but if you think about athletics so you do all of this preparation and you do the preparation but there's this um, uh, a competition in the future and, and as we speak, old Conor McGregor is learning to box. That's a different conversation. We hope. And at some point or another. <laughs> For his sakes, it's going to be a, a short money fight. Right? <laughs> um, and, and the point is that, that he prepares and, and his training will expand or contract depending on what that deadline is. And at some point or another, he's going to step in the ring and he's going, to, he's going to go to work. And for us, it doesn't always work like that. But if you want to pitch, you go to work on that day and you do your pitch. There's nothing after it. You either win or you don't win, but you've you've certainly like compressed all of the time into that. And yeah. I think, I think maybe we're getting better at this, and we're not brilliant at it. But we 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 set internal deadlines that force people to to work within that that time constraint, and it gets great work out of people. We also have to work within the construct of what our clients allow us. So there's certain scenarios, certain projects, there's brands, there's limitations. But, but one way we get around that, and I, I don't know if it's popped into Ross's head yet, but I always hear him say to the designers, okay, so you have to put out this PowerPoint template. <laughs> it's going to be very fast. It's going to be pretty painful, and you have a lot of limitations. But if that work comes out and it, it's fit for purpose with our customer, and there's one thing, one little design element in there that you and your heart are proud of, you've done your job perfectly. I think that's a great piece of um, mm. insight that Ross so the most appropriate and beautiful solution to a business problem within the number of realistic yeah, and, constraints. And creatives are also brilliant at investing too much time in small details that no one necessarily appreciates. But I don't think that's a bad thing either. Because no. if you can look at your work and be really happy with it, because look how the border is so evenly matched all the way around and it, it, it is perfectly balanced with the content, that makes you happy as a designer. But even I think subtly the client will appreciate or they will feel a, a slightly intangible difference between that piece of work and something that's But that craft is like average. a little stamp. It's a stamp of, of something. You craft one particular element and it's a stamp in the same way that anyone that is trying to make something, craft something, would want to stamp or mark it somewhere. Cool. So, so our last question to you, Mike, is... Hey, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. We've been doing way too much talking here, Mike. 
Yeah, this I kind of turned. Ruse. I don't know if you noticed that. You did. Slowly mm. turned that around. Mm. And, but mm. so we've got another question from so so you you know we worked with you to rebrand your company. Yep. And you were in theory a creative company. Like, why did you reach out to a company like Nice Work? And like, why would you why would you recommend another another company to actually use an external creative resource to to do their stuff, even if they could potentially pull off that work? Themselves great, internally. great question. Um, and and we could have, I guess, we had a very competent designer who you know very well, who led our our, our creative production team, and and there, I guess we could have come up with a result um, going through going through an internal process. I think there's a number of reasons. One of them is that it's that old um, the shoemaker's children are poorly shod. Uh, analogy <laughs> that's actually the correct uh, I found that out the other day yeah poorly shooed um, it, where it's very difficult to prioritize your own work to to make your own business your primary client I think we've historically done that pretty well over the years but um, but it's it requires extraordinary discipline and application to get that right but the the bigger one, so there was a risk around that. The bigger one is, I think what I spoke about earlier on, where you have a level of objectivity and a level of perspective. I mean, we all deeply emotionally involved and in, invested in our businesses as, as business owners. And separating your emotions from the reality is very difficult to do. So knowing, knowing how you guys saw our business was almost as valuable as having you do the work for us, right? And being able to uh, understand how we're positioned through someone else's eyes, someone who understands us enough, but is not emotionally hung up on the result. Uh, so that's the difference between insight and insist, insight and investment, right? Like it's it's uh, knowing, but not necessarily being um, deeply uh, emerged in the business. And then I guess just knowing that people are really good at doing that work. It, it was your, it is your specialization. It is your core focus. It is the thing that you offer the market that you do better than anyone else. And we couldn't necessarily, we could have done a version of it, but we have never um, come out at the same. Same result. So, I mean, when we weighed those three things up, it made a lot more sense to work with someone rather than try and, and recreate it ourselves. But I think perspective is the biggest one. The value of an insightful, uh, informed partner is, that's priceless, right? Um, so that was that was the big deal from our, our perspective. I don't know if that answers your question. It does indeed. Cool. And I mean, what is your, your closing thoughts to end this episode? I mean, I'm marking it as a success because not only did we get bestiality in, we snuck incest in right at the end. So Yeah, under um, my breath though. Yeah. Knows, yeah. I'm going to mark it as a success if we've actually recorded this. <laughs> if it exists, <laughs> it will be a but great success. But if not, thanks for the chat. It's good to see you. Great uh, to catch up, guys. It's been a while and kind of to do that. Maybe have another podcast. <laughs> um, so, so I guess parting thoughts is one of the things I've always enjoyed about uh, working with you guys is that you eat your own cooking, right? So the the love that you have for your craft and for your product is evident in your brand and in these kinds of things and in the magazines and the parties and all of that stuff is part of the ecosystem that makes nice work, nice work, right? So so we we identified with that. We could have dealt with any number of people who who design well. <laughs> But it's not that. It's somebody who understands the importance of culture, who understands the importance of our people, who understands the integrity of living and breathing what it is that you sell. So 
that that's something we always really appreciated with you guys and also it's just really cool to hang out and you're nice guys and from that perspective it was always uh always a prerequisite so yeah thanks for having me on the show thank you very much mike coming any day and hopefully this one records we're going to hit the stop button and if not then we'll try a fourth time everybody hold thumbs Thank you for listening. We believe sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who would benefit from useful insights to stay relevant in the world of creativity, brand innovation, technology, and interacting in this new world, please share this podcast with them. On top of that, we welcome feedback, good or bad. So if you've got some, please reach out to us. One more question is brought to you by the people at NiceWork, a branding and service design company in Johannesburg, South Africa. If you would like to chat about the challenges you're facing, reach out at www.nicework.co.za. We release an episode every week, so please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're really old school, hit us up and we'll make you a mixtape.